I support the Black Lives Matter movement. The person of color I am choosing to highlight today is Jada Pinkett Smith. Doesn't she just seem awesome? She reminds me of the phrase whiskey in a teacup. She seems like a pretty tough lady, like super warm and understanding. But hey, if there was a fight, I'd want her on my side. And I freaking love her show, Red Table Talk. It's on Facebook. Check it out. It's really good. It's her, her mother, and her daughter. And they go over a range of different topics. And it's very, very cool. Especially check out the episode on Black Lives Matter. Now back to your regularly scheduled program. Strangelings. On this podcast, I discuss the world's folklore, myths, legends, and superstition. I explore what these stories meant to the cultures that shared them, the different uses of lore in our modern day entertainment, and the history of it all. Welcome to Folklore Friday. And now for some everyday folklore. Heyo! So I'm going to start sharing bits of everyday folklore at the top of every episode. So this episode is number 13, which is quite fitting for the topic. 13 is believed to be unlucky for many reasons, which is a whole episode in itself. But one notable thought is that it was believed that a witch's coven was made of 13 members. Isn't that perfect? This is episode 13, where I interview what a witch. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite pleased with how that worked out. I knew I wanted this to be a special episode because 13 has actually always been my favorite number. So I'm really glad we were able to make this episode special. And coincidentally, it's my husband's favorite number as well. <laughs> I guess we're just meant to be just a little unconventional pair. Okay, well, welcome to Folklore Friday. And I am joined today by my husband, Chris. Hello, everyone. And our friend, Kathy. Hi, everyone. <laughs> that was great. All right. And we know Kathy from the Upfront Theater. And I guess, I guess I'll let Chris explain the Upfront Theater because we mentioned it before. But I'll let you describe how much or how little you want to know of where it's at right now. <laughs> well, the during... Upfront Theater is an improv comedy club in um, Bellingham. And right now it is shut down because of the whole coronavirus thing. And hopefully in one day it will reopen again and we can do all sorts of fun improv on the stage there. So that's mm -hmm. essentially what it is. It had been around for a little over 15 years in Bellingham. And how long have um, the two of you known each other, Kathy, you and Chris? Uh, I met Chris pretty quickly into taking classes at the upfront, um, but I, I met Chris. I don't know if he met me. I was a, I kind of fangirled because Chris was performing, and I was I just was in love with all things improv. And Chris was it, it wasn't as extremely talented. Yeah. And, 
I fangirled him too. I was hoping to learn from him, but I, I think he sort of knew I took classes there. Uh-huh. Okay. And then you, but how long, let's see, how long have you been on the, the um, main stage? Uh, I think I, I think I just passed my, my fifth year. Okay. Fourth so, year? Fifth year. I don't, they're all running together at this point. Yeah. The first I, couple of years were important. I was hitting my 10th year this May. So long. It's longer than he's been with me. Wow. <laughs> like, you guys have known each wow. other longer than me and Chris have known each other. That's true. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Okay, I have to say. And I have probably seen him zip line more than you have. <laughs> now, I say that, I, and I mean that, like, without a zip line. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, the two of you, the way you perform, I love it. You guys like really play off each other really well. I always get excited when you're in a show with Chris because it's just, you, God, you guys are funny. You're so funny. You just like, you build the right kind of like, you work as a team. And I feel like some improvisers kind of struggle with that. But there's some people that just work really well. And you guys are just really entertaining yeah, I mean, together. There's, yeah, there's such an ease to working with. Kathy and improv and I think it works well for the two of us going back and forth because if I could speak for her and her improv style a little bit uh, I think we both sort of are willing to do anything and go to silly places but are always looking for the supportive side of that and and bouncing off of we're never trying to be the all-star when we do it and therefore when we're working together we're just bouncing these you know, crazy ideas, willing to go for it, ideas and making it work as we send those to each other back and forth. Yeah, I agree. And especially since you've been my artistic director, Chris, I think it's perfectly safe for you to speak to my style of improv. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It it says a lot because, you know, improvising with anyone is is fun. Um, But improvising with someone who you have a history of trust built to the point where you know that you can leap off any silly cliff and they will either A, catch you or B, leap with you. But one of the two is absolutely positively going to happen. Yeah. That's a nice feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are so, yeah, I like watching. And when, like, when my mom used to live here and she'd come and see shows, she really liked you as well. She'd always ask, what's, what's her name again? <laughs> I was like, that's Kathy. <laughs> so, that's really nice to hear. Yeah. But Chris is also uh, my favorite, the favorite of my husband as well. So he, oh, yeah. he would be like, oh, oh yeah, what's his name again? <laughs> and then as far as you and me, like anytime there was like a, you know, like a get together at the upfront, I would just kind of gravitate towards you and because you were always so gosh dang easy to talk to I think I liked you the moment I met you (laughs) like and I don't even remember when that was it was just so easy to to talk with you I knew I was going to like you um (laughs) because you made Chris so happy oh that's so so sweet I knew that there was no question that I was going to like that makes me happy (laughs) And then there's like, um, oh, we did the tarot show together. That's the only time I've ever performed. Yeah, tarot improv at the show. Mm-hmm. I did, t- I did tarot card readings, and then they we, performed. That's right. We did improv off of those tarot card readings, and that was really, really fun. I think all of <sighs> yeah. us who did it, that we we were just trying to figure out when we could do it again next. That was it was so funny because I got to practice on you. I think I read for you, Kathy, and. Um, Oh, I don't remember who else, but 
I was so, so baby brand new at Tara. I was like, what have I agreed to? <laughs> this is a crazy idea. And so when I gave you your reading, I like barely made eye contact. I just like pointed at the card. <laughs> like, <laughs> And I was, I remember being so impressed because you know, I've, I've read books about tarot and I've like dabbled with, like, I, I own a tarot deck, mm-hmm. but my, my first impression of you was like, oh my God, how did she memorize all these things? <laughs> I, I'm like, I pull a card and I'm like, let me go look that up. Hang on a second. Yeah, yeah. So if the book says this, then I can interpret it as that. So yeah. that's, that's where I'm at. And, but that's, and that's where I'll always be. And you're like spouting this off from your memory. And I'm like, the girl with the homework. There's still about 20 cards that I have to look up, but out of 76, that's, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, when things when things open back up and providing that this small business has made it, there is a metaphysical store on Holly Street that's like just just up from state. That I think has, I've seen it. What is that? I think I've seen it. Is it wait, wait, which street is it on again? It's on Holly and it's if you're if you're going the correct way on Holly towards State Street. Mm-hmm. I think I it's might just know it. before State Street on the left hand side. Yeah, because there's a I think because I like job shadowed a photographer that works upstairs. So I walked through it one day. <laughs> but I was also it was years ago. And I was like a teenager. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And like, I wasn't I didn't fully embrace like all of my like I wasn't into folklore then I was too nervous to be like, Oh, I really am super curious. And so but now oh, I might take a visit back there. <laughs> Yeah, from what I understand, they do, they sell tarot and they have them out so that you can already go like thumb through and make sure that the images resonate with you and resonate with what, what you know about tarot. And they have like multiple decks like that, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. So that would be cool. It's crazy. There's so many different types of tarot cards. Like you can get Star Wars tarot cards and just like, it, like I don't know, that like subculture I find, I just find kind of funny because tarot is like, you really have to it takes a lot of investment to like understand it. And I'm like, of course there's people that are like, I want to know about tarot, but I also know Star Wars. <laughs> like your listeners right now might not even know what a tarot card is. Oh, if they don't, how are they listening? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to do a full episode on tarot cards, but tarot cards. Uh, oh man. It's so, I'm such a blab. Like it's so hard for me to condense things. Tarot cards are very fascinating. Um, oh, I just want to start from the history and like, I'm like, well, in 14th century France, <laughs> like, but I can't go down that road, but no tarot well, cards are the basis of it. Yeah. Tar- a, a tarot deck is a tool for divination. There you go. See, this is why you're so great. To have on. That's the one thing that Chris and I work with. He's like, you, you can give like bullet points. I'm like, I know, but it's so hard. Like, <laughs> well, sure. And especially if you really, if you really like something and, and have invested a lot of time in it and you're excited about it, you want people to really understand it and be excited about it like you are. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely hard to do. Yeah, it's it's hard, but I am working on it. But yes, tarot is super positive and, and And tarot is something, it's not, I'll say quick, it's not a religion. It's a deck of cards, but it, it encompasses multiple beliefs. And so there's no dogma. And so no matter who you are, you can look at tarot cards. Hey guys, just a quick editor's note. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. I see you tuning in and I see numbers spike every other Friday when I post an episode. 
However, sometimes it's just hard to stay motivated. It's hard. Podcasting's the editing is annoying. <laughs> so I wanted to engage with you a little bit. Tell me what kinds of topics you want to hear about. Do you want more stories like Chris and I have done with the alien stories or the fae folk? Or do you want to hear more about customs and practices like throwing salt over your left shoulder when you spill the salt? How did that become a thing? Or are you hoping for more monster type stuff? Werewolves, vampires, etc. I want to know. The best way to engage with me is through my Instagram account, the Folklore Friday podcast. I am setting aside Fridays for the time to talk with me. So send me a message, comment on any of my posts and let me know what you want to hear. Personally, some things that I am improving, I am trying not to say like so much. It's so painful to hear myself again and again and again say that when I edit. So I'm working on that. I also can talk too fast when I'm excited and I'm all working on that. (laughs) And some of the episodes where my friend Tyra joined me and some others, I feel like some of the stuff she was saying was overlooked simply because, or people cut her off simply because her mic wasn't that loud. So I'd like to have an episode with just her because it was really cringy listening through those and realizing how many times she was cut off by me or someone else. So I'm sorry, girl, shout out to Tyra. But yes, in order to stay motivated, I'm reaching out to you. Tell me what you want to hear because I am doing this because I love everything under the umbrella of folklore and I want to know what you want to hear about. I also want to give a shout out to Matthew. I don't use last names on the podcast, but I know him from my mission and he sent me a message saying that he started listening to my podcast and he found it super entertaining and he hoped that I would keep it going. Thank you, man. You have no idea. That was just very encouraging because editing sucks. Editing sucks. Sometimes planning sucks, trying to get people together. You know, it's just, it can sometimes be a drag but I do love it. And sometimes I see just like a handful of people listen, like under five, that kills me. And just the general pandemic blues. It's easy to get down, am I right? So getting that message from him put a little bounce in my step. So thank you, Matthew. And I hope that you found these last episodes just as entertaining as the first ones. But yes, again, let me know what you want to hear. Hit me up through Instagram at the Folklore Friday Podcast. You are certainly not not the first person that I have heard uh, who comes from an organized religious background, whether or not it was intense or not. But any type of organized religious upbringing um, forms us in our formative years. And there's a lot of weighing back and forth uh, Mm -hmm. for a lot of different people on multiple levels, right? Depends on who you are and what what that religion was and and how devout you were in that religion. but my sister before me started studying witchcraft and reading books about Wicca and looking into all sorts of different religions. And there was a point at which we, she and I were having a conversation and I wanted to be very supportive of, of her in her research and her um, expansion of herself. And so I think I, I asked her something along the lines of like, you know, so do you consider yourself a witch now? Or like, I'm, do I wish you a Merry Christmas or what you like, what is it that I want to be respectful of you and your religion? Mm-hmm. And she said, I don't, I don't know if I consider myself a witch at this point. And this is years ago. She said, because having been raised Catholic in our family, 
she wanted she wanted to be sure she wasn't going to go to hell if she mm-hmm. became a witch. And just that realization of that's where her thoughts were converging and overlapping. And that was the thing that she was like that being stuck in that briar patch, mm-hmm. that combination of, well, I go to Catholic hell. Yeah. If I become a witch was, it blew my mind. And I was like, I need to start reading some books. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. This is like the perfect yeah segue. Cause my opening thoughts are, my religion, even though I'm not practicing and the, it's still the one I identify with, it's kind of like opposite from from your beliefs. And I find that like intriguing. And I'm usually unlike a lot of people that are in organized religion. Um, I am very curious about people that have beliefs different than me because I want to understand. I've never been the type of individual that would say like, oh, I can't I can't learn about that. I'm always the opposite, like because. And I also know what it's like to, because I was raised Mormon, I've had a lot of people think like, I'm in a cult or something. So I can identify a little bit with like being misunderstood because of your beliefs and immediately relaxed when someone's like, oh, I had a friend that was Mormon. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. No, they don't think I have like seven moms or something. (laughs) But I wanted to ask you like, um, okay, let's see what I have. But yeah, we have different perspectives and having my different perspective when I was reading those articles you gave me, it was so interesting because I was like, this seems completely freeing and individualistic. And there is something kind of liberating about reading that. And I, yeah, I really like that. Oh, okay. One thing I want to say, and then we'll, and then I'm going to ask you, ask you some questions and stuff or you can start with whatever you want to explain about it but the first time I heard you were a witch we were at what's it like it was girls night it was like upfront girls night and we were at the cabin bar I think (laughs) and we were like oh it was was such a perfect setting we were outside because they have this little like fire pit in the back and it was only upfront people so it was completely comfortable because the bar you know when you're in a bar you're like what what and like and so it was so nice because I could hear everything and uh I I said oh I really like the show The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and then you said "Mm, it's not I I'm worried that it's perpetuating misconceptions and I was like what oh 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 Loki (laughs) he's he's, I love that Loki always sounds like he's being murdered I know he's such a sensitive little he's a drama queen (laughs) yeah He's fine. Oh, that was scary. for those of you listening at home. Loki is a beagle. He's not a child, and he's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, Loki's our dog, and he'll beg to be picked up, and then we pick him up. He's like, "You touched my stomach," but he's fine. You said, "Oh, because I don't remember what you said," but then I was like, "Oh, are you Wiccan?" And you said, "No, I am a witch." And on the outside, I said. Oh, wow. I've never, or I don't know the difference. Can you please explain? But on the inside, I was like, tell me everything. (laughs) I've never been more excited to hear about somebody's like belief system. Cause I was like, what? Cause any, the confidence you said, it was just, I, I don't, I've thought about that so many times because you're like, no, I'm a witch. And it was just, you nodded your head and it was the most like confident statement I've like ever heard anyone say. And it was just, it was great. And there then are you- so many authors that I have to thank for that ability then, because um, when I when I started reading about witchcraft and Wicca and uh, there there was a lot of 
I think I just need to put this down and walk away from it because obviously it's not me. It's not for, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were several books that I only got partway into because they approach it from um, a specific stance, such as Wicca. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with Wicca. But being a paganism is a bit like Christianity in that there are several different belief systems within Christianity and there are several different belief systems within paganism. And the only difference is paganism are the religions that, that existed already and still exist now, um, that aren't based in Christianity Mm -hmm. that aren't already based in another organized religion. So Mm -hmm. they tend to be because of that, they tend to be all earth religions, um, Celtics and Druids and, people who believe in uh, follow the Norse gods or believe still in Greek mythology um, and those types of deities all fall underneath the umbrella that is paganism. Mm-hmm. That, that article you gave me in it with the, um, where is it? I'm going to pull it up. It had like that, I forget what you call it, but it's like a diagram with circles. There was, oh, the Venn diagram. Thank you. I'm, I was like, I'm a girl who loves a Venn diagram. I don't, I don't know the name, but that, like, because I'm visual, that was very, I'm looking at it right now, and I'll, I'll post a picture of this on the Instagram for you listeners. But I liked that the separation, there's paganism, within paganism, there's Wicca, and then witchcraft is its own thing, but it also it can be incorporated into paganism and, and Wicca. And all right, so let me, I'm going to ask if, where am I, if, if this is correct, I heard someone explain once that witchcraft is a practice the same way prayer is a practice, multiple religions and belief systems use it, but it's not all the same way and not like, it's very individual to a person and, and their beliefs. Is that, is that kind of like how you would define it? Yeah, I think that's as close as you can get to it. Ultimately, witchcraft is a belief that there are um, systems and forces in the world that are accessible by us as humans, and witchcraft takes out the the middleman of the priest or priestess. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to um, go to like a superior in an organization to reach something, or even right? someone that's more of the that's been set as the practiced one in it, kind of. Is how I that we don't necessarily believe that we need some specific anointed person to act as the go-between between us and the the force or the deity. Yeah. Okay. So, and a lot of people also obviously believe that because they believe that you can pray at home, you know, and you don't Mm -hmm. necessarily like if you're Catholic, you don't necessarily need to believe that you have to have your priest with you to to pray and be heard by God. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But certainly, I was just discovering witchcraft, it mm-hmm. took a lot for me to get rid of the, the word prayer as a bad word, because to me, it was very linked with Catholicism and Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I would hear people say something like, I'll pray for you. And I would react to it negatively, like, oh, don't pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me a little That's bit funny. to get over myself yeah. and realize that that, I mean, it's all prayer. Anytime that we do something intentionally that we are trying to manifest, mm-hmm. and no, no matter what deity or what uh, belief system that you're putting that energy through in your head and your heart, it's, it's all prayer. Meditation is prayer. Um, incantation is prayer. Spell work is prayer. Um, I 
I hear about a misfortune of yours and I just spend a moment like thinking, I really, really want them to succeed in this. I really want them to recover from this. I'm hoping good things for them. That's all prayer. Mm -hmm. That's so, that's so interesting. So in a nutshell, for someone that has no idea, I know you you described like paganism. Um, How would you explain your beliefs to someone that has zero knowledge of it? With the foundation so, of like paganism. So paganism is what you said. It was se- separate than, than your beliefs, right? Mostly. Yes. And that mm-hmm. is partially because I've done a lot of reading on um, different religions, organized religions and not. And I was searching for something that spoke to what I already felt was how I viewed the world versus having to learn something <clears throat> that would teach me how I viewed the world, if that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah. So for me, after reading about Zen Buddhism and also reading about witchcraft, as strange as it sounds, if you can combine the basis of those two things, that's that's the type of witch that I am. So um, That sounds peaceful. The, the, 14th Dalai Lama is quoted as saying when he was asked what his religion was specifically, he's quoted as saying, my religion is kindness. Mm -hmm. And that's how I view it. And I I like the approach of witchcraft because it is not an organized religion. It is not something that I have to learn how to do from someone else in order to um, have my belief. Mm -hmm. That sounds... Like I said before, it sounds very freeing. Like in a, like when I was reading those articles, I was like, this sounds like it could be a liberating experience for someone versus the idea of an organized religion where, hold on, I think I wrote this down because I thought I might mess it up. Okay, so when you there's an organized religion, you have to just accept everything. But this, it sounds like it's more of an individual experience. And from the articles that you gave us, you can decide and pick like parts of it that resonate with you. Is, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. I mean, I, I believe personally that any, any religion should welcome you questioning it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're just going to stay with that religion, that is the religion for you. Um, you should be able to question it. That's how questioning is how we learn, right? If we don't question, we don't, we don't discover. Mm-hmm. So, being having been raised Catholic, which is not a religion that tends to welcome questions. True. Mm-hmm. That that was anathema to me in how I lived my life. Period. So, with something like witchcraft, um, one of the first books that I read was something, I think it was something called like, so you think you're a witch. Yes. And it talked about these different approaches and it was sort of like a, so if you want to do this, here's some things that you can try that will give you a feeling of what it's like to practice this as a religion. And let me preface this with, I was not a good Catholic in that I'm lazy, period. Mm -hmm. I don't care what it's about, whether it's Catholicism or witchcraft, I'm lazy. (laughs) So so primarily I want something easy for me, which is why I want something that already matches what I already believe. And this book talked about a tradition that's known, especially in Wicca, of a year and a day. 
which is every day for a year, you pick a starting date and every day for a year, you are uh, focusing a portion of that day on studies that fall into witchcraft. So whether it's learning astronomy or learning herbology or learning tarot or deities or something that is um, Wicca related and or witchcraft related. And then at the end of this year, you have sort of apprenticed yourself into um, becoming a witch or becoming Wiccan. That was way too much work for me. It's <laughs> <laughs> a but full commitment for one year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a year and a day, it's 366 days. That's, yeah. Big year. <laughs> but what it, but what it led me to was that that whole time that you are writing these things in a journal and everything that you're studying and you're discovering and you're picking spells that you like, and you're picking uh, portions of the astronomy that speak to you and you're writing this in a book. And then you're going to keep this book to look back on. You're writing your own Bible. Hmm. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. And when you say those words to someone who is uh, a devout Christian they they consider that blasphemous because the Bible is the Bible. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not a Bible. And so <laughs> hearing, that, hearing that there is a Bible was also what helped me release the, uh, the negativity associated with things like prayer and, and just this like, Oh, I, I had this feeling like I just, I didn't like organized religions and I realized it wasn't the organized religions that I didn't like. It was, mm-hmm. um, the feeling that I was have equating my beliefs with those specific things. Mm-hmm. That, was it. that, that, like I said before, when I read it, it, it felt like a liberating experience that these, that, that, or that from that one woman's perspective of that blogger. And so I can relate to that as far as like, this is the doctrine, accept it. And kind of like, all of it, like, <laughs> that so that makes sense to me um right because i mean certainly in the catholic church that's it's a lot of don't question these types mm-hmm. of things that is is i feel with it i was raised lutheran so it's a bit of that um you know christian offset um not quite as harsh approach to it so i still got all of the you know sort of the christian beliefs without such a you know ruler on the bum kind of a approach to it if i could say it that way yeah i think you have a lot of the doctrine but not so much of the dogma yeah that's a good way yeah so i'm and i say raised lutheran because i'm certainly not that anymore uh and most of my approaches to all these things may different from yours. And then I would say different from Megan's too, is a very scientific approach, but everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I also uh, am one of those types of people that I don't have a problem with organized religion or witchcraft or or anybody believing what they want to believe. If those beliefs work for you is, fine with me i'm not like that there's no science you need to Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's never been so reading over some of the stuff that you gave us about this sort of resonated with my approach to things too and my beliefs in my scientific approach which is to like 
you know, find what works with you and what you believe to be true. And yeah, essentially make your own Bible for your life to, you know, live it fully the way that you see fit. Mm-hmm. And um, for the li- listener's sake, I don't want to get too off topic because I do want to talk about your beliefs, Kathy. Um, so I'm Mormon. Chris is not because that is doesn't happen a lot. And so I've, I've, I'm not what you would say your quintessential Mormon, even when I was like practicing. I'm always questioning. And the religion does say like question. You should you shouldn't follow this if you don't feel connected to it. And so um, even just like being with Chris, we had that conversation like early on. And I remember saying, well, if you don't believe in God, do you believe that there is an existence or because a lot of my decisions I make, I make based on spiritual experiences. Cause if he was like, no, then I'd be like, well, that's not going to work out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, well, you have to have a common language, right? You have to have a mm-hmm. common language in your approach to the, to the world. So even if that's a different religion, most religions have a common language. Yeah. And it was just his, I can't disprove any of these things. And so, and I think that's what, I mean, I may speak for you, but that's what makes you a respectful person to like whatever somebody's belief is. You're like, Hey, if that's helping them, then, and I can't disprove that that's right. For all I know, that might be right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause you said that, um, I won't use his name, but you and someone else went to a, oh, it was like a Jewish something. Oh yeah. One of their, um, I forget which which one it was, uh, some celebration, an annual celebration that they have. And we actually went there to go do improv and he got really freaked out because they did a <laughs> prayer all together and uh, and it was in Hebrew and stuff. And he he was like, I don't know these words. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> like they might have been casting a spell on him and he gets really <laughs> nervous around things like that of like prayers and organized religion uh, type moments like that and i found that really funny <laughs> and i was and it was just that kind of thing of like there's no harm here and also it's you know it was interesting that he believed it enough that their belief that he didn't believe in could potentially do harm to him <laughs> you just like the lack of understanding about and i was like they're jewish they're not like cursing you <laughs> right so, like, some of the nicest people ever and I'll, I'll bleep this out, but it was just so that, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, it, and you know, that's, I mean, that doesn't surprise me <laughs> knowing that person, but also like there's a, you know, there's a level of exposure that, you know, some of us have and some of us don't. And so yeah, when those new true. things happen and you don't have that level of exposure and that's your first exposure to it, um, there's. We're, we're afraid of the unknown and we're afraid of the other, right? These are, these mm-hmm. are the reasons that things like racism exists and anti-Semitism yeah. exists and we're, we're scared of the other. Um, and it's easiest for us as humans, unfortunately, it's easiest for us to label someone as other so that we can explain our fear. Yeah. So the first, my first thought is like, that is so, I'm so sad that someone has had that lack of exposure and that that's causing them fear. Yeah. You're so much more empathetic. I just laughed because I'm a jerk. (laughs) Like, but no, I, I appreciate those emotions that you had because I, I, yeah, I found it humorous, which isn't the best because he's a grown man and he was in a situation that he didn't understand. And that's, that is too bad. Well, it's also humorous because it's him, and I can I can absolutely imagine what that what, what, what it that manifested as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I love that guy. I miss him. <laughs> but, I, I love him dearly. And I have never for once, for a second, wondered what he was feeling or thinking. He, yes. Because <laughs> he wears his feelings on his That's sleeve. Is sure. that what you mean? <laughs> on, on his sleeve through a bullhorn. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty true. Okay, so I have a couple questions. Um, okay, you kind of explained how you found witchcraft, which was cool. And then um, do you meet with anyone? Do you gather? Or is this just something that you practice like on your own? Um, I consider myself what's labeled a solitary practitioner in that um, I don't I don't join with a with a coven or a group of people um, to practice my belief system. There is a group of people that I found through Facebook that does gather uh, usually around the the holidays are our common holidays, which mm-hmm. tend to be around other common holidays. <laughs> um, but there's a there they refer to themselves just as like a, a county oriented um, pagan group. And mm-hmm. so there's lots of different people who believe lots of different things. And so having like a ritual, like you know, like in Christianity, you hear about people that go to mass like on Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, in witchcraft, we have a wheel of the year that's generally based around the seasons. Right. Yeah. We read a little bit about that from your article. I'm just pulling up because it. Yeah. And from me personally, I consider myself non-theistic, which means within those holidays, I don't necessarily uh, call on or or worship one of the deities that tends to be associated with those holidays. But Mm -hmm. many people do. And there's a lot of different pagan beliefs. So some holidays might be associated with in Wicca with the green man, but at the same, and I do not quote me on this because I don't follow these religions. So I'm probably naming the wrong deities with the wrong holidays. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, but, but in Wicca, it might be the green man. And the same holiday is associated with Brigid, who is tends to be like a Celtic goddess. Uh-huh. And um, I tend to, around that same holiday, just honor the things that they stand for, mm-hmm. which, uh, for instance, Samhain, which is usually around Halloween, is the end of the end of the harvest as we're putting everything to sleep for the winter and tends to be when the veil is the thinnest where we might commune with our ancestors who have already passed over that may or may not have teachings for us or may or may not have protective things for us, which is where this um, everything dead (laughs) came from with Halloween, Mm -hmm. right? Because the earth is dying off, right? We are sending all our energy now down into our roots to be wintered over until the next spring. So, we are welcoming in the dark. We're welcoming in the darker part of the year. We're welcoming in the darker parts of our um, our learnings. Were, and with the dark comes mystery. And if you know, when you're a kid, you're scared of the dark because you don't know what's out there, right? Um, and those types of things uh, differ so widely in this group of people, and yet this whole group of people can get together around one of these sabbats and celebrate this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a different person in charge by volunteer uh, each time. And so you might get a, a ritual celebration that's very Wicca oriented. And the next time you get another ritual celebration, it's very Celtic. And the next time you get one that's very Norse. And it's super interesting to me 
because they're all just like, and that's not what you believe. That's awesome. There's, it's really nice to be around a group of people that are just so energetic about you not believing what they believe in. Mm-hmm. So you have gone to some of these meetings before? Yeah, I've gone to a couple of the Sabbath celebrations. Uh, my first one, I think, was for, for a Samhain. And my second one was uh, for Yule, which was amazing. And it a lot of the symbology is really attractive to me because it's the things that I miss about Catholicism. You know, when I was Mm -hmm. growing up, the tradition of going to midnight mass and having all these cool Christmas trees around and the manger that was built out of pine boughs. Um, Just the fact that I could stay up and go to midnight mass. (laughs) All all those little things and all those little traditions around my religion growing up are things that I find attractive about all these different types of religions now. And I Mm -hmm. like that I can just pick and choose with what's attractive and speaking to me and incorporate that into whatever my practice is now, which my husband and I have done with a Yule log every year instead of doing it on Yule, which tends to be the shortest day of the year, Mm -hmm. right around the 21st of December. We back ours off until New Year's so that we incorporate the New Year's tradition with Yule. And we, on New Year's, will burn a Yule log and we will write down things on slips of paper that we want to release from that current year. And we go through a round of that and we speak out loud as we're putting these pieces of paper in the fire that I am releasing, you know, overworking or I am releasing uh, not eating intentionally, whatever those things are. And then we do another round with things we've written down that we want to welcome to us in this coming year which is I want to be more body positive this coming year. I want to uh, show my friends more kindness in the coming year. That I've read about the I've read about that practice. That's so cool because I remember when when I first read it, I was like, "That sounds so nice." Rather than it's New Year's, let's get drunk. Like, which is like how a lot of Americans kind of practice it, or I mean, not practice it but celebrate it. But I read about that. That's so cool that you do that because I. I like that idea because it's setting, I mean, same way people set New Year's resolutions, but when you write something down and you make it physical, it's that there's just something more concrete because you're, you're doing something physical to set your intention. And I, I, I think there's some beauty in that. I think one of the, one of my favorite parts about being in a relationship and of developing this religion as I, as I live is setting my own traditions. And to me, it's fun to set a new tradition mm-hmm. when my husband and I first got together. Like we have this root. Now we have this tradition of this is what we do on Christmas Eve, or this is what we do when we, when we do X, Y, Z, we have this tradition around it and it's ours. It's a piece of what was maybe he was brought up with and a piece of what maybe I was brought up with. So it stirs up those nostalgic things and it creates some emotion, but this is what we do together. And it's something that only we share. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a cool thing. It's one of my favorite things to do. That's beautiful. I like that. Okay. Okay. Here's just some general questions that every, like I'm wondering, and I think others will. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So is there, is witch like a gender neutral term? Can a male be a witch or is there a different title? Um, and there's, and witch is a gender, gender neutral term. 
in mm-hmm. neo-paganism, mm-hmm. it used to be ex- exclusively female. Um, and we touched on that before we started recording. Uh, it used to be exclusively female for the same reason, reason that you don't find a lot of uh, female guides in the New Testament of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and that is because um, representation creates familiarity, which creates the ability for power. Right? So representation matters. Um, there are people who, you know, like I, my personal preference is that I, I, I don't mind being called a witch. There are people who do not want to be called a witch, but if you were to write down on paper the things that they do, they would very closely mirror possibly the things that I do. Mm-hmm. What would they um, rather be called? Usually that. I would ask them. Yeah. <laughs> would you say that most often falls into the the kind of the defining name of what they're practicing? Sort of um, like the non-theistic type you know, paganism type of whatever those those things are? Because we saw a lot of those in the article that came up of like these different ways of saying you know, where you're coming from with your beliefs within it. Oh, sure. Cause we want to be able to, I mean, like that's, that's a natural thing, right? We want to be able to have a shorthand for like, what can I reference you as? So I can sort of, we don't have to have a whole conversation about what you believe for me to kind of understand what you believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think because paganism is the umbrella term, I think pagan is usually the, the term that most people use most frequently. Hmm. Because Christianity tends to be the the leading religion of the world. So odds are, if you're a pagan and you're talking to somebody else, you're probably talking to someone who falls in the Christian realm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's very easy to understand, I'm pagan. Would you say that more women, in your experience, practice this than men do? Or hard to tell? Yeah, I used to think that it was more women. I think, in general, there has been a reclaiming of the word witch and witchcraft itself. Um, And that tends to be by women. And I think for witchcraft itself, more women tend to practice it because it falls within realms that have already been accessible by us in that... There's a, oh, there's a lot of weighted things that come with gender mm-hmm. and gender binary right. and have historically come with that for millions and millions of years. So even to the point of if you think about baking versus cooking and do you, do, do you imagine the person that's doing the baking versus the cooking is male versus female? If you put them in a kitchen at home versus if you put them in a kitchen professionally, does that change all these mm-hmm. little biases that we have, right? And our and we don't even know we have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think witchcraft ultimately was women's own empowerment over the things that they could control at the time. So in the 1600s, that was um, relegated to the life inside the home and the caring for the family. And if that was knowing that this plant, if made into a tincture, a tincture would ease uh, indigestion or um, calm a fever or, it, you know, in, induce um, 
somebody to not with not hold on to so much water and not be so bloated, you know, all those things that they learn through trial and error. And I think that those are the types of things that people associated as witchcraft, right? They were looking yeah. to something other than God for a resolution to their issues. Um, and they, they dared to take it upon themselves to resolve those issues rather than turn them over to God. Um, and, 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 uh, when women were threatening to hold land at the same time, it was very easy to call them a witch, which meant you you get burned at the stake. And, uh, oh, as a byproduct of that, your land just gets turned over to the <laughs> men that are around you. Right. Like, yeah. Where's the downside? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So it just sort of seemed to latch on to sort of the more the women role in that sort of non or, you know, that binary, I mean, history of gender that it was in. So I think that that probably some of that is still lingering within it, but it, it sounds like there's been, you know, some breakthroughs of just the idea of witchcraft being something that someone, whoever they are can practice, which is great. Yeah, I think so too. And I really appreciate that, that it's not lost on me that that has probably opened up a little faster in those realms than it has, say, in the Catholic Church. Sure. Mm-hmm. Where men can be priests, but women can't. In a lot they of religions. Be, they can be nuns and they can be a lay minister, but they can't be a priest. Yeah. Um. Well, okay, so because you brought up like the, the past and like in, in which trials, because... I don't know necessarily a lot about your spiritual beliefs, but history of witch trials, <laughs> I know more than the average Joe, <laughs> because it is so, I want to say fascinating, but it's also horrific. It's this incredibly, um, it's not, it bothers me how much I know about it now and how much I was taught in school. They talk about Salem, which was absolutely horrible. However, it's, there's like maybe one sentence about the witch trials in Europe, which went on much longer and literally thousands of people died. And it's just this thing that doesn't make sense to me the same way people, how we make movies and, and you know, we write historical fiction about the Holocaust because it, it almost doesn't make sense that it happened. And so that's why people are attracted to it. Like, how did this go so terribly awful? But um, for... I, what you were saying about the property, it's, there's so many politics that were involved with the witch trials. If somebody was accused of being a witch, male or female, if they, if there's no way to kind of get out of being accused of being a witch, unless you, I, from what I understand, unless you confessed and they're like, that's what we needed, but your land isn't, your children can't even inherit it. So they would like, the families would be kicked out of their homes because they're like, well, your mom or your dad was a witch. So you're out of the community and that it's so, it's so horrible. Um, Ugh, there's like so much yeah, we could say about that. Yeah, a bit of a tangent there. We can get, sorry, we can that was a tangent. But run down that road for a while. Let's... We totally could. But what I wanted to ask is, um, as far as like, okay, so as, let's as far as fiction is concerned, witches are portrayed in many different ways. Does it bother you that people dress up as witches for like Halloween? No, I don't think it bothers me. I think I think the thing that bothers me is the um, the stereotype 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and stereotypes in general bother me because they're ultimately all offensive. Um, they're ultimately created to make one person feel more empowered over another. So the stereotype of a witch as the the crone version of the witch, right? The green skin and the overgrown nose and the wart is super easy for me to trace back to where that started, right? It started because the person in the village with the most knowledge was probably the oldest woman in the village. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not that hard to figure out where those two meet. Mm-hmm. Right? The demonization of that as ugly is is the political side of religion that we could go down the road and spend a lot of time in the cul-de-sac of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I'd be curious to do with you in another episode if you're up for it. Sure. Okay, cool. Just yeah, I don't have a lot of knowledge, but I have a lot of opinion. Okay. <laughs> Would you say that going off of that with with like how witches are usually understood as the old crone or whatever flying their broomstick and that when you tell people that you're a witch or they find that out do they usually make those types of assumptions with it or what has been your experience with people's most immediate reaction to that with you yeah it's a good um i i sort of relish People who do have an adverse reaction, um, it's not that I it's not that I really like shock value, but I don't <laughs> consider myself an unattractive person. No, I, I don't, don't say so. I don't tend to dress in a way that is like out, you know, strange outside of norms. I was not a goth kid. Right? Right. I didn't do black lipstick. I don't have uh, dark hair. Um, I I look like every other Karen on the block. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're I someone I like know I'm about to ask for your manager. Yeah. <laughs> you're someone I would know that enjoys going to sl- the salon and getting their hair done when they can yeah. <laughs> and yeah. trying new looks and, you know, very, uh, new hair colors that are lots of fun. Oh and my gosh. I love definitely not colors. this dark crone look at all. You'll have like unicorn hair and you always have your nails done and you always have makeup on, which is funny because a lot of improviser, like female improvisers, they're supernatural and like it's like a whole Bellingham approach where. Yeah, not supernatural, but Sorry. they are very. <laughs> That's what I meant. They're, they're natural. very natural. That's what I meant. A very earthy, natural approach. Like I think there's a few that. <laughs> Can't say those words too close together. I know. That, that don't wear makeup, but you're like. I hyphenated yeah super (laughs) but you know you're i wouldn't consider you like gothic or anything like that you're very feminine you like to play around and yeah and i think i think that's kind of i mean it's not it's not why i look the way i look i look the way i look because i think it's a representation of me but it is one of the things that i enjoy about when if i do feel comfortable enough to share with a person that Mm -hmm. i'm a witch um their reaction is a thing that i i like I like the uncomfortable 30 seconds that exists afterwards (laughs) because it, that tells me that I am giving you a representation that you didn't expect to see. And I'm hoping I am, I'm watching you because I'm hoping that that is changing something inside you. And I'm hoping that brings you a realization that the assumptions you had may not on other things also be true. If I tell someone that I'm, pansexual 
or bisexual, depending on the, the label that I'm using that day, mm-hmm. and they have that realization of like, you're not what I expected, then I want them to take that the next step further and think maybe my expectations are not necessarily accurate for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the closest thing I can relate that to for my experiences is would be maybe one of two things. But I, I one would be that when maybe people haven't seen me with short sleeves or anything like that, and then they <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> discover the numerous tattoos that I have and that I'm not the person in their image that would have a number of tattoos. So they're just like, oh, wait, you have tattoos and not even like I. I I don't just have a couple of my, I have a yeah, multiple, a multiple full sleeve, full sleeve uh-huh. on my arm, uh, huge things that are on my shoulders. And yeah. And so people are just like, wait, you're not the kind of person that would have I'm like, what, what defines <laughs> yeah, who has a tattoo? About watching the cognitive dis- dissonance happen. Yeah. Because you, because you realize that they hadn't been exposed to that and you get to be the one that changes their perception of it. Yeah. That's a good feeling. Yeah. Because now you have, you have the ability to say, now someone that you know, someone that you know is in this category that you probably recently talked to your friends about in a derogatory way. Like, yeah, you said like changing that person, like preconceived notions. Is that kind of what I'm getting at? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, um, the, when Chris was talking about his tattoos, it made me think, oh, goodness, they might listen to this. A uh, member of my family, <laughs> I won't say who, but asked me, oh, this is when Chris and I were doing like, oh, he's got a lot of tattoos. Uh, has he been to prison? And I looked at this person and I was like, oh, my God, how old are you? And then I remembered and I was like, wait a second. Well, you've been to prison. Where are your tattoos? <laughs> like he completely just like are you not forgetting that you've been to prison and you're not the typical like I did this when I was serving time and and he's like eh. and he just kind of like got quiet about it. I was like, people, everyone has tattoos nowadays. Like people have Harry Potter tattoos and butterfly tattoos. It's not yeah. this like I certainly I don't have on a Harley. I certainly don't have jacket. prison tattoos. Vines yeah. at my arm and a parrot and a jellyfish and an octopus. Yeah, things like that. Yeah. The, the second one for me is actually when I tell people I don't drink. And then they kind of go run through their mind of like, oh, what kind of people don't drink? I need to figure right. this person out. And then my reason for not drinking is just because I don't really need it. Yeah. Just and then that also then blows their mind like, wait, what? Were you? So, a, did you have a problem? Someone can just not drink because they don't want yeah, like it doesn't make sense. They think that he's like, you know, was an alcoholic or something. And it's funny for me and him when people find out like that we don't drink, it's easy for them to like accept real quickly. Oh, yours is because of religion. Okay. But then like when they find out Chris, it's not because of religion. And they're like, wait. It's just a choice. That yeah. I've made. It's the choice that I've made. Yeah. And like, but the two of you are together, but different. Like, yeah. Which is then perfect for it for you. <laughs> being a witch and studying what you know your aspects of witchcraft is just the choice that you've made and for some people that's just like wait you you're choosing to be a a witch and you're like yeah and that's i think one of the nicest things about this from talking with you and reading the different things is that it's all about your own choice and discovery and i i like that about it a lot 
Yeah, my my hope for anything, like I said, I went through a, a really big period of like um, being anti-organized religion. And now my only hope is if someone wants to tell me their religious belief is my only response is, is, is as long as that's your choice. Mm-hmm. It's got to be your choice. So you know? with organized religion, um, we'd say like the the main thing that a lot of organized religions do is they worship a, a deity, uh, whether just, you know, be flat up God, the God, you know, or different versions, of, you know, Allah, whatever it might be for them. There's uh, that. So not believing in deities is what you've told us is part of your beliefs, but it's not that you also don't believe in say supernatural elements, if I can call it that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So I would, I guess we would like to understand uh, kind of expanding our knowledge on that for yours in particular of what that means for you. Like what kind of supernatural entities um, do you view as, as as very real or are there that you're in touch with you feel like you connect with the most or i mean i let me preface this by also being raised catholic i was raised in um the aa family so there there was a alcoholic there is a recovering alcoholic in my family who attended aa and i had other members of my family who attended al-anon and as a Younger child, I attended Alateen. Um, and so something that was very comforting to me because that is not, um, that's a program that tries to be open to more than one religion is they refer to it as either a higher power or the phrase that they use isn't just God. It is God as you choose to believe. Mm-hmm. So the, the, for me, is I believe in um, that there are energies in the universe around us that we are all simultaneously a part of and that these energies flow in certain channels and that accessing those channels is something that we're all capable of doing if we want to choose to do it intentionally. And I think uh, the parts of our brain that can access those channels are um, things that we can access easiest if we're doing something meditative, like repeating a mantra or repeating a sound like om, 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 is something that accesses those types of brain areas um, through vibration and through intention. And so I believe in witchcraft that I can access directly those channels in order to manifest something that I want. Huh. So a lot of the, the nerd came out on me and I couldn't help stop thinking of the force <laughs> in Star Wars. Cause I was like, Oh, she's just talking about the force right here. <laughs> Everything she just said is essentially I the have, force. I have yet to levitate a single thing. <laughs> but, uh, but it's yeah. like a lot of, and I don't even think we should question anymore why there's Star Wars tarot cards. Cause True. It, it, you it just talking about that sense. now, just yeah. I'm like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense yeah. now. <laughs> I was not surprising in the least that there's Star Wars tarot cards. Yeah. I mean, for, for me though, there's a lot of that in just the scientific theories, string theory, which is that all of the, these energies are connected within each other. And that the real base level in, in science is that, no energy is lost or created. It's all just transferred into 
different things. So, you know, when the sun is shining, we're getting that energy and then that goes into plants and then we eat the plants and then we have that energy in us. And, you know, it's just all this cycle of the same essential energy. And so it's interesting for you to say those things, too, and and for me to think of it in this sort of the scientific way of how it could exist as well. That's the I think that's the other part for me is that this um, this set of beliefs for me works so well with science. And I'm also scientifically minded that there's there's not a cognitive dif- dissonance of I can't prove it. Therefore, I, I have to question it, um, which is where faith tends to break down for me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I could be a witch and and still be really jazzed by Carl Sagan saying, like, we're <laughs> all stardust. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I wanted to ask about, so how, according to you, spell work, do you use it? How do you define it? And how would you explain it? Yeah, spell work for me, personally, is a way to organize my thoughts for either um, because I'm aiming for a specific intention that I want to be very careful with, or as a way of self-soothing like, I mean, it's been a while since I did an actual thing that I could consider a spell. And the last time that I did one was last summer when uh, my we had to put my oldest cat down. And we were very lucky to encounter um, some people who do house calls for that. So they came to our house and my husband was able to hold our cat on her Aww. pillow so she didn't have to go to a vet and be in a scary, unfamiliar place. Yeah. Um, and before that, I created, uh, I did something that's called creating a circle and uh, created a little spell. It, my intention for that was so that her energy could pass through and that our energy could remain flowing instead of being backed up by all the things that we wanted to hold on to so bad, which was having the cat with us, you know? Um, so my main goal of that was to keep energy flowing, but, uh, to draw a circle, I did nothing more than imagine the energies of the earth coming up through me, through my feet, through my body and extending through my hands and creating this, circle or sphere of energy around us that could hold these things that we were experiencing in uh, one area. And so it created sort of a, um, um, my words are eluding me right now, but it created a a sacred space for those things to happen. So uh, expanding on that a little bit, because something that came up in uh, the article too, was the use of altars. Mm-hmm. Is that part of what you do as well? Do you have, do you currently have any altars set up? Do you, have you done those recently or at all? I have, I have actually a few different altars set up around my house and I okay. didn't realize I had a few until I kind of opened up my thinking uh, in another conversation. So in, in my head, right, I think of altar in, in this very Catholic sense where it's like it's <laughs> at the head of the church and there's only one and yeah. it's, you know, it's used for these very specific things. Um, through a couple different conversations, I realized that different altars are for different things. 
part of the re- way I realized that was when I was setting up an altar for Samhain, which is near Halloween. And during Samhain, I'm honoring my ancestors. So what I'm doing is I'm just con- I'm consciously putting these pictures in one place of people who came before me and my family, and I'm speaking their names and I'm remembering things about them and having their pictures there in this very focused space allows me to do that specifically at this time of year. So I created an altar for that. And then I realized I would take that altar down and I wouldn't, the pictures didn't go away. They just went to different parts of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would create uh, the, the, the Yule altar. So now that's got things like a lot of greenery I'm bringing in the green from outside. And then I realized I was doing this in one space in particular and my husband said, well, are you still going to decorate the mantle like you do every Christmas? And I was like, oh, my God, I've had a Yule altar every single year <laughs> since I was born. I've had a Yule altar. Because yeah. <laughs> every single year that I can remember celebrating Christmas, my father would bring in clippings from the Christmas tree that we were getting or from the pine trees out front and put them across the altar and put candles up there. And nobody mm. was pagan in my family at that point. Yeah. Like we were all ultra Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I realized that these things... It doesn't matter what I do or where I do it, but it's just creating the intent, the intention of it. So I have a, one spot in my house that I just tend to display um, a lot of quartz stones and amethyst and things like that. And that's my altar to energy work. And yeah. I have another spot that has a specific soapstone container that has a pentagram on it. And uh, inside that is a pendulum which is nothing more than a stone on a, on a chain. And there's a, a felt cloth that comes with it. And that's my altar to communicating with the universe because those are the things that I, you know, I ask questions of the universe, which is ultimately asking questions of myself. So all these altars that get created and moved around during the year just depend on what I'm focusing on right then. Yeah. So I would say it was like breaking it down to its simplest form. It's sort of like uh, the altar is just a place where you can focus an energy, whatever that energy might be. Absolutely. And, you know, different um, sects of this, like if you were to look into like voodoo and their, their type of altar, and they all usually have multiple altars um, because they usually deal with multiple, Loa, which are the spirits that allow you to communicate with the universe beyond your universe. Um, and they're similar to deities. They're lesser gods, but they're similar to deities in that each of these Loa will like different things. So for this particular one, like maybe Papa Legba, you put out whiskey and a cigar. And for this other one, you put out lavender and cookies Mm -hmm. um, because you're trying to appease them so that you can communicate with them. Yeah. Oh, there was that movie. I, before I quote a baseball movie, um, I think (laughs) (laughs) like, here's my only knowledge of voodoo. (laughs) Like, no, I, voodoo is very like community based. And I find there's major league. Yeah, I was going to quote Major League, but let me show that I actually know something <laughs> first. Like, I know which one. I already know what, what you're talking about with Major League. But um, I, I've i watched a few documentaries because I wanted to see, like, commun- like in people practicing it and what their daily life looks like. And when someone, when they have a funeral, people will stay up the whole night with the 
person or, or people that are grieving and they make coffee and they sing songs and, but it's an all night thing. We do not do that in the U.S. It is like, we'll go to a solemn, you know, funeral and then give you a casserole and leave. <laughs> like it was just so, it was so energetic and it was so opposite from, from anything that I had seen. There was just, it was kind of beautiful. Yeah, some parts of the U.S. they do something similar. I mean, if you've mm-hmm. ever been to an Irish wake. I've always wanted to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and like you said, yeah, there are pockets that exist. I've just haven't been fortunate, fortunate enough to go to one. I would prefer that my family celebrate and tell funny stories when I die. But, but going back to major league, that made me think of, you know, it better. Who's the character that has his little shrine to pop, pop us something, but Joe Boo. There you yeah. go. <laughs> the character's name is not Joe Boo, but the, the deity that he prays to is Joe Boo. Yeah. yeah. Cause it was so good because the, you know, he was always like, even though it was kind of comedic, he was always kind of like making an offering before, before a game. But then that other player like takes the whiskey and then he's like paranoid takes for, his rum <laughs> oh he's rum, rum yeah, yeah. Can't, takes drink, his rum. can't drink Jobu's rum <laughs> it's I the all state guy too that guy who does a voice for all oh my god it is that guy <laughs> just oh, wow. this powerful voice behind Allstate this guy, guy. yeah it, it is. is but he's like young and buff and like looks nothing like he looks yeah, very he's not different. bad now either but yeah he was much younger in those yeah. days oh that's too funny uh, at the end of it, I don't know if you remember this part of it, but at the end of it, when they were um, in their, you know, their penultimate moment, and he had been praying to Joe Boo for so long to bless his bats and give him home runs, and uh, then he ended up hitting a home run, but right before he did it, he said, screw you, Joe Boo, I do it myself. Yeah. Oh, that's a good line. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't think he said screw, but yeah. But he was like, I'm well, going to do it. Yeah. Well, and I he think, said the effort. Yeah. I think the less editing you have to do. Post, <laughs> Thank post you. Yeah. I really have to stretch out the audio when I edit. I have to slow it down and go, what the? To like really get like, some, of the, some of the words. But I think there was a point where the other character and him kind of like agree to like respect each other and their beliefs. I think I remember that. Like, doesn't he apologize for taking the rum? Yeah. I just remember liking that part because it's like this like tension and then he's like, hey, let me offer some or something like that. And I was like, okay, thank you. It wasn't just this like ridiculous commentary. I was like, there was some sort of like, you know, agreement or understanding at the end. Well, I think that's important because ultimately what we tend to get from religion is community. Mm hmm. And I, I think that's what a lot of people seek when they're seeking religion. It's not it's not solely their faith. You know, I mean, the reason that otherwise everyone would be a, a solitary practitioner of whatever thing that they believed. Yeah. Right? So we have churches because people create community and they create community around their commonality. So if you have a common belief, then it's easier to create community. But that faith is important in in that as much as community is important. And I think that's the reason that we see a lot of times as people age, where they necessarily weren't religious for a lot of their lives, tend to maybe they start tend to go going to church more often and things like that. And it's not, it's not necessarily that they suddenly have this fear of dying and now they're going to have to meet their maker and they better figure out their stuff. I think it is community. As we age, we, that's what we seek. Mm-hmm. You know, and where we can find it is, um, is, is where we're comfortable. 
Mm-hmm. It's one of the things I like about improv is I didn't have to go to church to find community. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. All right. I want to read part of the article. It's just like a quote that you gave us to read. Um, it says, just because someone doesn't believe in a deity doesn't mean that they'll begrudge others who do quite the opposite. Non-theists, non-theists, that's hard to say, see a certain beauty in the history, culture, and story of deities. That's where we find our connection to theist communities. And I've never felt judged from you with my my beliefs. And in fact, I think I voiced at like Jillian's wedding like, cause we were sitting together for a while and I was like, I'm actually not going to church. Cause I just felt like I needed to gain a different sense of identity. And you came at it at a way, instead of like good riddance, you were like, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know that you were like going through that. And I think in some religions, because they think theirs is the only way they, it, it's hard to talk about different people's like beliefs, but I never felt like any judgment from you at, oh, at you. all. Okay. And I was just like, Oh, like it was kind of like, Oh, whew, she doesn't think I'm in a cult. It was that kind of like, we're friends, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> which is always the fear. Yeah, like, and you didn't think I was in a cult either. Right? Yeah. So I got like either. ridiculously excited just because I was like, well, this is somebody that's real. It's not just this thing I'm reading on the internet and I'm hoping is a good source. And I think that's where that excitement came from because I really wanted to know like an actual living person and what they, how you connected to it. And, you know, for, for most of us, right, we're, we're raised in a belief system of some sort, whether that's a religion or not. And so those, those things are associated with our family. And so we associate our family, our parents with those things. And to, um, try to discover something that is different than what our parents believe, right? That, that the first thing that that represents to us is like, oh, I'm, I'm in some way breaking from my family. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, that is not the case, right? But, but that is the thought because that's those, those are the same things, right? These mm-hmm. are the things that we did for the family. So these are the things that are, this is the family. Tradition, tradition. <laughs> that's what it makes me think of. Um. Okay, so we're we're getting close to the end. I think I've there yeah, I think I got a lot of really great information. I'm trying to think. Okay. So there's two two things I want to ask you. One, um have you ever seen any videos of like Salem around Halloween time? Uh yes. Um <laughs> I've seen Salem televised around. I've I've actually been to Salem once. Um I'd like to go again. There is a certain kitsch to Salem. That mm-hmm. is very televisable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you see people like, so I bring up Salem at Halloween because it's a party. It's like, if you want to stay in Salem during Halloween, you have to like book like a year in advance. And yeah. I'm sure people, I'm sure people like dress up, but do you find it like when people are dressing up in that sense, like a way of like reclaiming the title witch or do you find it like oh i don't like that's offensive that you're still wearing the hat and you still have the broom like how when it's people that actually have some kind of connection to it how uh, what are your thoughts uh, i mean i don't think it's offensive i think you know people go to salem because like you know other people go to bethlehem and you know or or if they have a, a trip to israel um because they're looking for the connection to the root of their community. And that's what it boils down to is there, we are all looking for a connection to the root of what our community is. And 
Salem at, at Halloween or Salem at Samhain is a, a little bit like, uh, I don't know how to, I don't know the actual U.S. equivalent of what that would be. Um, I don't think we have anything deeply religious here. <laughs> no, I don't. But I, but I think it kind of crosses into a, a, a non-religious, you know, yeah. I mean, and Salem at, at Halloween is, I don't think that that's religious. Okay. I think, you think, it's, you, you think, it's I, like, I think most people, whether, whether they're witches or not, um, converging on Salem at Halloween is, I don't think it's religiously driven. I think it's sort of like Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does that like, but do you, cause, okay. I got to tell you, it's one of my dreams to go to Salem during Halloween. But, uh, I would love, I, yeah, I totally understand. Hey, okay. you know what? I went to New Orleans, uh, twice on business. Uh-huh. during not Mardi Gras uh-huh. before I went to New Orleans during Mardi Gras. And I would always like to be at New Orleans when it's not Mardi Gras. <laughs> um, because it's sort of like, you know, when you go out for New Year's Eve, right? You, you sort of want to, I mean, you know, it's New Year's Eve. You wouldn't mind going out, but oh my God, there's so many amateurs, yeah. right? Nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> they're all drinking too much. They're all expecting this huge thing and it never pans out that way. Oh, and ultimately so everyone's disappointed. <laughs> and I sort of feel like that's kind of what people do with Salem around Halloween. But in the same vein, no one's doing it with a negative connotation, right? Mm-hmm. No one's going to Salem to look for a witch to burn. Yeah. Right. And I, I think that's why I brought it up because there's something kind of interesting to me that in the past there was the Salem witch trials and they were awful. But now flash forward to present day, we have the freedom to believe what we want to believe. You have the freedom to say very confidently, I'm a witch. You like nodded your head. I'm a witch. Listeners can't see me. I was imitating the way she said it and everything. And, you know, Maybe some people might have some preconceptions, but you have the freedom to do so without being, you know, put on trial. And I just like the idea that there's this huge celebration during Halloween and 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 even in Salem, a coffee shop is like, which is like everything is like, which this and which that it's almost in a way like this huge middle finger to the past. Like, screw you. <laughs> we can do what we want now. <laughs> yeah that's like i brought that up yeah i think well you know and i think there's a lot of people like just like some people uh would probably just keep their halloween decorations up all year round because halloween's like this really cool time Mm -hmm. you know i think that's a lot of the what draws people to salem is the witch kitsch as i like to call it Mm -hmm. um and and i i get it like i I've seen um, what are anime witches that, you know, they're in their purple and their orange hat and their adorable little striped stockings. And they're, by the way, probably a size one. And I'm definitely not that. But I get it. Like, I get the attraction of mm-hmm. that personification and, and where people want to get that from. And it's, it's attractive. It's fun. The, the belief that you could have the power to change anything you wished is a fun belief. It's the same reason people buy lottery tickets, right? It's mm-hmm. fun to believe that. That's a good way of looking at it. Okay, and here's a couple of my last questions. So as far as fiction goes, are there any portrayals of witches that you're like, I like that one. That one's my favorite. Like completely recognizing that it's different from that it's like a made up version. <laughs> you know, I... Uh, 
there, each one has its pros and cons so heavily that it's mm-hmm. hard to it's hard to pick one that I could say that one that one actually represents what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a part in Penny Dreadful, and I don't know if you watched any of the Penny Dreadful, um, but I think it's season two where one of the main characters is kind of getting we're kind of getting more into their backstory, and we discover that they were trained. By a witch, and this witch is represented as this old woman who, you know, basically it's because she's trained in medicine in the 1800s that no one else had access to, and therefore she was a witch. And later on, they also divulge that she's like, I don't know, 500 years old, which is okay, that's getting a little out of the the realm of believability for me now. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of the things that they want to portray that. They portray them because it's it makes good television. It makes a good movie to portray the supernatural powers. Um, so that being said, probably Bewitched is the closest thing because they portray it in like this normal everyday. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to get just trying to get the kid to the daycare <laughs> yeah. and the cleaner and dinner made at the same time. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. just that everyday person, and she's a witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, just, I just, I'm just trying to keep my husband employed and a house, a roof over our heads, and the, you know, the kid from dying. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love that you brought that one up. I was gonna ask you how you felt about Bewitched because it's when that show was created, there was this like cultural shift happening as far as like witches in the media versus this like thing that was to be feared. There, like a, ten years before bewitched came out there was advertisements with witches and they were beautiful and and so there was this shift of it's attractive and it's interesting and then bewitched there was this woman that was powerful but her husband didn't have that and he was kind of shown as kind of like a dunce sometime like he didn't know what was happening the mother-in-law would play tricks on him and what i enjoy about doing reviews of like supernatural type shows is it gives these storytelling opportunities that makes things maybe just a little bit easier than nonfiction because it was, what was it? Like the fifties, sixties bewitched came out. So there was this powerful woman and this man that loved her and was fine with being less powerful than her. And that's saying a lot for that time period. And so that's why I'm passionate about this podcast is I think that there are certain things you can portray in in television and modern day storytelling that this supernatural gives these these kind of like opportunities so to in that look at it, that that portrayal of it and who you you are kind of like oh yeah that penny dreadful one is working for you the bewitched one is working for you a lot of times these movies and shows like to do the good witch bad witch would you say that that's even a thing in the real world of it? Or are there like, it's, what, it's a question. You know I mean, what I mean? Are there like darker say, practices? Yeah. Yeah. A good witch or a bad witch. And I say, I, what have you done to me? <laughs> because we all, we all have light and dark in us. Right. We all strive to be good human beings. And we have all had an opportunity to think I would do something really horrible in this situation or mm-hmm. um, I, witnessing something really horrible in a movie or whatever and thinking to yourself, would I be capable of that if, if I were in that situation? Mm-hmm. Right? So we've all got those things inside of us right? and it all boils back down to intent. 
Mm -hmm. So I guess then that leads me into the question of, are there spells intent on causing harm, hurting other people or getting them into, I guess, even just situations where things turn out badly for them? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. There are um, just like there are people that would that would perform them. Um, Sure. There's in in Wicca, I want to say it's the Wiccan read that um, there's a belief system of what's called the rule of three, which is not the same as the rule of three in comedy. (laughs) What it is, is what whatever you do will come back to you threefold, right. basically. It's a very basic um, definition of it. So if you if you do good, if you put out good, good will come back to you threefold. If you do harm or put out bad magic, then it will come back to you threefold. Um, I don't ascribe to that belief. Right? I, I believe that I am responsible for the things that I do. And I must ultimately accept all of that responsibility regardless of what it is I'm going to do or trying to do. So it is, it is all intent, but I have to be willing to accept all of the consequences. You know, if I, as a human without any witchcraft or supernatural belief system to, um, to decide to take another person's life and whatever context you want to put that in, whether it's war or cold-blooded murder mm-hmm. or defense or whatever, but to, to to make a decision in a split second, sometimes to take another person's life, you uh, accepting all of the things that come with that. So to uh, accept all the things that come with harming another person intentionally or not uh, is we've struggled with that since we became humans. And it's a horrible mm-hmm. feeling to find out you've unintentionally hurt somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a horrible feeling to realize that you have intentionally hurt somebody in a fit of anger mm-hmm. or lashing out. So, um, so yeah, all of those things exist. And uh, yes, I could have access to them because I could, I could make my own right now if I felt that I needed to or wanted to. So Stan, Kathy's um, good side. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just, it's just it's down to the person yeah. that you are. You know? Stan, most That's people's true. good side, I suppose. Yeah. I've definitely watched a few videos online of people like, this is how you hex. Just because I was curious. I was like, oh my God, this is elaborate. But <laughs> yeah, the first, I think the, you know, the first step, step of cursing or hexing is, is ultimately is accepting the responsibility for the action that you were about to take. However, mm. that should be said about the good stuff too. That's true. Yeah. Um, my least favorite portrayal of witches in any uh, television or movie is that the the automatic assumption that they are Satanists. Yeah. Are cool. there witches that are Satanists? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Are there Satanists who are witches? Yes, absolutely. Um, are there people who are not witches that are Satanists? Yes. Are there people who are Satanists who are not witches? Yes. You know, mm-hmm. so that that there's an automatic association between Satanism and witchcraft is completely false. Yeah. And far over portrayed. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Cause I, and I have a friend who's a Satanist and there's, and even within Satanism, there's many different, there's many different layers. And then his particular beliefs is that there is no deity and that they, they not only don't worship Satan, they don't believe that there's a deity. So even within that there's layers and this assumption that you're a witch, you believe in the devil and anyone that is a Satanist is bad. Even that is, is like completely layered, but 
I can see how that would be offensive to you because it's not accurate. It's just completely not correct. In- yeah, it's just inaccurate. And that's that's the thing that I, that I dislike the most is the inaccuracy of it. Mm-hmm. Well, we are we are at the end. You have talked to us so much and I'm so, so grateful. So I like to sometimes ask, because this is all about folklore, is there a particular like monster or story in folklore that you don't know a lot about, but you'd be curious to learn more about? My brother said a minotaur, <laughs> which is just to give an example. And I was like, I know very little about that. I'll get right on that. But is there anything that you'd be curious to learn about? Um, or that is your favorite <laughs> open question. Yeah, gosh, there's, uh, I mean, there's so many things out there. Mm-hmm. I right now, the thing that I'm most interested in is, um, energy work and, uh, psychic energy in particular. And so psychic vampirism is something that I would be interested in learning more about because mm-hmm. I've, I've been around people who, after spending just, you know, an hour with them, I felt very, very drained. <laughs> and and oh, like, I mean, really funny. I, I can say like people say, oh, yeah, that happens a lot or whatever. But I mean, I, I can remember this specific person, specific instance. And I and I liked them. I liked I was like I, I was engaged and I wanted to mm-hmm. be around them. And I thought they were they were exciting. And I was exhausted. And then. We remained, like, I think I met them at a a party uh, through mutual acquaintances in Vancouver. Afterwards, we exchanged information and we were talking on instant messenger. And just talking on instant messenger, I noticed I was, (gasps) I I am exhausted. Wow. I can't do this. Um, And that was the the one person that I can say I've had that dramatic of uh, an effect from. And so... I just heard someone talking about psychic vampirism the other day. And I thought, I really need to look at that more, like find out how prevalent that really is. I don't know if you watch what we do in the shadows. Oh, we've seen the movie, but we should watch the show. You need yeah. to watch the show. Yeah. <laughs> you need to watch the show. There's a character sure. on the show who is a psychic vampire. He's one of the roommates. <laughs> and, and his name is Colin. And whoever, whoever developed that character did the right research because cool. he's like, he's got it down about psychic vampirism, but I, I would love to hear more about that. Cool. I've definitely read some things about that and cause it's a very distinct category within that, but yeah, and I've seen like a few interviews of people that say like, yes, and this is how I do it, but that's cool. Well, maybe one day we'll have an episode about that and I'll, I'll yeah. let you know. <laughs> I mean, if you find anything about like intentional psychic vampires. Yeah. Because yeah. I, think, I think what I was introduced to was like completely by accident. Like, I don't think mm. this guy had any idea he was doing it. But. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, no, there are definitely, yeah, I can, I'll, I'll send you what I have. <laughs> cool. Because I'll look into that too and I'll use it. <laughs> How would you use that? Just my to love? drain the energy right out of people. <laughs> I now, I, honestly, I want you to be able to look back on this video, but I know you can't. But I want, I want to remember Chris's face. I want to compare that when you guys watch what we do in the shadows and you see Colin for the first time. I want you to remember what Chris looked like. <laughs> basically, Colin. We'll have to. Maybe we'll check that out tonight. That's cool. <laughs> well, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you so much for having me. I've loved every minute of it. This was great. And maybe in the future we can do we can do another podcast because I would like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we've covered everything having to do with witchcraft, but just in case, there's probably one or two things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sure>. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I will sign off. Thanks for joining us on Folklore Friday, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, my little strangelings. I hope you join us next time. Scare you later.